Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Andrea Town. We have been on a long hiatus, but we are back, bitches, back in the house. And this week we have uh, a guy that I've known for a while. Um, he, he spent a lot of time in the music business and then transitioned over into the comedy world. That's where we met up again. Um, J. Rand, everybody. Uh, J. Rand Medina, I think is what he's going by now. I know him as J. Rand and Josh Randall. And he's like me. He's had a ton of names. Um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Mix up, in the town, all right. Hey, hey, we got Josh Randall on the show today. What's going on, buddy? Uh, nothing. I'm in Florida. It is hotter than ever. And uh, I've been here for two months now. It's kind of crazy. It feels like time is is either standing still or going by too fast. I don't know. You look good, though. I mean, you look tan and in shape and you're not doing what all the rest of us are doing in the pandemic and just eating our feelings. I think if I don't come out of this looking like I was on an episode of Survivor, then I did myself a disservice. <laughs> <laughs> surviving the <laughs> pandemic. So you went, you were in LA. Last time I saw you, you was here in LA. So you went back uh, because of what's going on in the world. Well, I was, you know, I still live in LA. Um, I came back because Burger King called me to put me in one of their commercials. And I, and it was, it's just like right when the pandemic was happening and I flew back thinking I was going to come back in like a day. It was going to be like a two day trip, fly in, shoot the commercial, come back. And I, one, one week turned into two weeks, turned into three weeks. And now I'm on my second month. I've been sleeping on my mother's couch. And oh I, my God. We'll yeah. get into that. Cause I've been watching your show. So just tell everybody I, I've known you for, I think when I met you was, uh, you were doing the tonight show with Jay Leno. That was the first, okay. maybe that was the first time I met you or you were reading. So, uh, we used to manage Josh. I think, I, th I think I met you when, um, you sent me out for Frankie Valley for the Jersey boys. That's right. That's right. For the film Jersey boys. Yeah. We like met, I think in like Bob's big boy. So LA, right. Bob's big boys parking lot or something. And you were like on your way in for the audition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you even, then, I, I think I've, I remember like reading in the parking lot with you or something and getting some notes before yeah. I went in for the read. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So, so just give everybody, all the listeners, a little background on, on you. And I think you'll tell it better than I will. And then, um, and then we'll get into like how we met and, um, and everything that you're doing now. Okay. Well, uh, a quick overview. I would say that I'm famous for being almost famous. I've had so many, uh, Almost moments, I was signed to the biggest record label in the world, Interscope Records, in 2011 to 2013. I, I've been in, uh, I've had small roles in big movies. Um, I've had almost bookings in big movies as a lead role. So I've, I've kind of just been hustling for like 10 to 15 years in the whole entertainment industry, from being in a boy band to uh, being a, a day player in, in, in television to having small roles in movies. And and like I said, I performed on Jay Leno with Flo Rider. At one point, I had a song on the radio. And uh, now I'm, I guess, you know, reinventing myself again. I, I reconnected with you uh, in, the, in the comedy scene. I've been doing stand-up yeah. and trying to reinvent. And uh, through this pandemic, I'm sure I'm going to reinvent again because I think live shows, is, uh, they're not going to happen for a long time. It's interesting because I, I kind of, 
I feel like when, when we come out of this pandemic, people are really going to want to come see stuff, you know, if it's in some type of a controlled, socially distanced environment. But, um, but people are going to be really hungry just to go out in a way that I don't think they've, they've been, you know, I, I was saying like when you were like begging people to come to shows, now people are going to be calling up going, Hey, do you have a show? Can I come to a show this weekend? Just to get out of the house. I mean, we've been on lockdown now for a couple months. I mean, let's hope so. I mean, that would be uh, amazing if, if it, if it goes the opposite way. I just, I, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm preparing for the worst. Maybe I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm I'm cynical about it, thinking that people aren't going to come, <laughs> and, and I, people are going to be like, "I'm not getting anywhere near you or your germs, buddy." Yeah, I, I talked uh, to a comic last night, and he was him and I were talking about you know the, the the new age comic is almost becoming like a multimedia content driven comic on the internet. You know, like what mm-hmm. you're doing, like podcasts and skits right. and, and the YouTube channels. Right. Yeah, it's going to be funny if everybody comes out to a comedy show. Everybody's wearing a mask, and you're like, "Are they laughing?" I don't. <laughs> I don't can't do you like it or just can you just give me a thumbs up? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was um was comedy something that you always were interested in, or is this uh kind of a new like fascination? Um, I mean the you know, the um, the, the the critique I always got from my record label Interscope was, you know, you're being too funny in your interviews, you're being too charming. We need mm-hmm. you to to be more to be cooler. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like be cooler. <laughs> and I guess it just wasn't naturally cool. Like I was always, it, it was always fun to me. And I, I guess my whole career, I kind of looked at it as kind of comedy. So, um, yeah, I've always enjoyed comedy. I mean, I think being a, a musical artist, there's so much comedy in that because you're just faking to be cool, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I got to see you do a little bit of stand up. Um, you know, I guess it was before, God, it was a little bit before all this happened. And, um, and you're very funny and you also, I love how you incorporate like the life that you've lived. You know, some people, when they make that transition, it's like, they don't want to talk about that anymore. And now they're doing this, which is cool. But I think, you, you know, there's a lot of comedy in what you were doing and the fact that you incorporate it and you do a lot of musical comedy is really cool. Yeah, I think I think looking back, I mean, of course, like maybe like seven, eight years, right when it happened, I was a little more sensitive to my career or not so much of a career back then. But I look at it now as kind of like, almost like uh, just content to talk about, because there's so many funny stories on my way to, uh, you know, trying to be famous and trying trying to be famous is a really funny thing that mm-hmm. I did for a long time. Tell me more about that. So when you say trying to be famous, like, so as a kid, were you, was that always like, your dream? Did it start really young for you? Um, I, you know, I, I guess as a kid, I, I always liked performing. I used to get up with the karaoke things and I, I formed like a, a boy band in high school just to kind of get girls. That was the idea. And, um, we weren't very good, but we were, we were just, we had a lot of charisma and, and honestly at a height, yeah, senior year, we got signed to a record label in Germany. And I was in Germany for two years as a teenager. No one really knows that story, but that's how I really started. I wasn't really a singer. I just got lucky in this group and I got trained like kind of on the spot. <laughs> that's great. Well, you had to be able to sing, right? And dance. I mean, to be in a boy band. In no? all honesty, no. I was just, <laughs> I just had blonde hair and I was young and earrings and I could just pretend, but I was you terrible. Look. Yeah. <laughs> hilarious and so what was that like you were over in germany were you like high school age i i just graduated i was 18 okay so 18 in germany 
What was that experience like? Um, you know, looking back, I always try to revert back to how much confidence I had back then because I wasn't aware of failure. And I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's why young people a lot of times succeed is because they're just unaware of what's going on. There's this, um, this innocence to, to not knowing and being inexperienced. And I think my inexperience was, was actually kind of my, that, that was one of my strengths. And as I got older, I think, you know, you become, you become aware of failure and you overthink things. But back then I just, I didn't overthink anything. I just did it, walked into rooms and the doors just kept opening, kept opening and opening. And I mean, was it just like, were you crazy in Germany at 18 years old? Were you like running around like a nut? Okay. So yeah. So there was three of us in the group. (laughs) We were all like best friends growing up and just so everyone knows when you're in the music industry, you make no money. It's, it's just an unforgiving business. We were on teeny bopper magazines, but the record label would give us a hundred euros a week to split between three boys to, to, to eat. And we were growing boys. We were like 18 to 20 years old. So a hundred euros between three boys in seven days. And what we would do is we would just buy pasta because it was the cheapest thing. We'd buy pasta, eat pasta every day. And then we would save money to buy beer to drink on Friday and Saturday. So yeah, we were definitely, we were maniacs, uh, in Germany. Well, it sounds like they didn't give you money to do much, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and the three guys, the two, it was a three boy band, three boys in the band. Yeah. There was, there was me and two others. One of them, uh, uh-huh. he's not in the business anymore. Uh, the other one has done so many projects after that with me. He ended up on MTV's wild and out for a season. So he still pursues entertainment too. Cool. And is he still singing? No, he gave up. I think I I was the only um, um, knucklehead that kept going on years after. So having success so young like that, um, did you feel like that? Because I think like this has happened to me, like every time something like that happens, I think this is it. (laughs) This is going to be the thing, you know? And then after that doesn't sort of launch, then there's like all that disappointment and, you know, some people quit at that level. And I think then other people reinvent themselves or go on to the next thing. So what was that like for you? Well, I wouldn't say that I was making it back then. Uh, cause we, I mean, I came back with like nothing to show for it. I, I had no money to my name. Um, but it was, it was, I guess success is all, uh, to each his own, but yeah, we came back and then I, I, I would say, what's the question again? You're talking about what's it like so to I go guess, from- I guess, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like, did you have a feeling in that band like that, even though you weren't making money, but the, like you had like arrived on some level that this was going to be the thing that sort of launched your career or took okay. you to the next level. Cause yeah. I think right when you're 18, like even if you're not making money, like I know when I first started doing anything, like I was on the road with a band and I just thought, you know, this is it. This is like now, it's just going to take off, you know? So did you have that feeling with that band that like, you know, here you are in Germany, you're 18. Obviously I'm sure girls must be like going crazy over the band. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I mean, you can probably relate to this. Like entertainment is, is, is like a drug. And so is comedy. Like you, you kind of look for that next high, which is like from it's, it's a different, different facets of affirmation where it's either, um, getting signed to a label or, or booking a small role. Like for me, I chased that high for years where my, um, my worth was based on what was the latest, um, thing that Josh Randall was doing. Was I on TV? Mm-hmm. Was that, was I on the radio? And without that, I was kind of empty. So I, I definitely like, I, 
there's definitely like a come down from that where I had to do some soul searching. Like, why am I doing this? Um, is it cause I need affirmation or is it because I love it? You know? Mm-hmm. And so when, so when that was over, you came back here to the States and then the pursuit was still at that point, uh, music. Yeah. So, um, I would say that was kind of like the intro to my journey was Germany. I came back and then I started just writing songs and I, I got involved with, um, the camp in Miami that did flow riders music and I would write songs for them. And, and then they eventually signed me as a solo artist. And then that was the new dream. And I pursued being the solo artist, you know, in the same fashion as like a Justin Timberlake for like five to seven years. And that was my life. That was my dream. Like I did some acting roles, but for the most part of my journey it was always music. Yeah. And, and you wrote your own music. Yeah. I mean, of course you, ha- you, you know, you collaborate, collaborate. you meet writers, producers, right. but, uh, how I started was I was always writing my own stuff and demos. And did you, was that, I mean, I don't know, time frame wise, like, did you ever go out for any of the, um, like, there's all those reality shows like the voice and American Idol and all that stuff. Did you ever go that route? I, 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 I didn't. Um, it's funny. I, I get emails to this day to, um, to do the voice. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if I've, I've lost the love for singing, but I, I, Another, I actually work for American Idol now. I work in casting for them. So there's a okay. full circle. Do you show. feel like, or is this just me? Because I, I, I watch all, the, I stopped watching them for a while, but now it's like there's nothing, I'm running out of things to watch. So I got back into watching American Idol mm-hmm. and I just feel like, oh my God, can everybody sing? Like there's just so much, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like it was, it it seemed more rare when I was a singer, you know, it was like, oh wow, you can sing. And now it seems like Jesus Christ, everybody can sing and and oh, it's like, I, oh, she's 15 and she lives in the middle of nowhere and she can sing like Beyonce. It's I, crazy. I couldn't agree with you more. Like from where American Idol and The Voice, all these shows were like 10 years ago to where they are now. It's like, well, everybody sounds like the American Idol. It's, I don't even know. Like right. I, I watched last night's episode and I'm like, I mean, they're all great. It's kind of, it actually makes, right. it, I don't know this is my opinion. It kind of makes for bad TV. I think I, I kind of miss the days where you could see like, who was better, who was worse. I kind of miss the the imperfections in some of the live performances. I agree. I, I kind of felt like that, like they, the people they sent home, I mean, for those, for those of you who are not watching, you'll have to watch now, but like the girl that was like the girl that they saved, I was like, that girl should have definitely went through. But then there was a lot of people that went home that I was like, all those, a bunch of them are amazing. I'm like, wow. It's just gotten, I, th- I guess, a lot tougher. Um, I, I mean, reality TV. I mean, especially the singing shows now. Like, I mean, even when I cast and pitch um, singers to them, it's it's really about the story. They're looking for someone who can sing, but yeah. who has like the most amazing story. So, if your house is right. burned down and you can sing, right. you're going to get cast. Dad's dead. Yeah, you're definitely you got a better shot yeah. if you're coming from like a good family, no drama. Yeah, I know my son was on a reality show, and I remember like they just were really honed in on any kind of drama. They wanted to pump up any sort of drama because it, it make you're right. They're creating a TV show. It's really got less to do. What would you say before, because I want to move on to the acting and the comedy stuff that you're doing now, but I want to talk about like for people out there that are looking to get in the music business now, like what would be your, you know, Uncle Josh advice to someone who's, you know, just feeling like that's their dream and that's the way they want to go? Um, I would say learn to do everything as far as write, produce, record, and and edit your own videos because now it's such a, a do-it-yourself era where kids are 
having their own YouTube channel, owning everything rather than, you know, when I was coming up, social media wasn't, it was more of like a, a luxury. Now it's like um, a necessity. So I would just learn every, which these kids really are doing a great job of, but you know, being a singer isn't enough, like learn how to produce your own music, learn how to record yourself, learn how to edit your own videos, which I think this new generation really is doing a great job of. Is doing it. Yeah. I I agree with that too. Yeah. It's definitely, you have to be much more Mm self-contained. You know, I was, I was just a singer. I never played any instruments and I just, that was all I ever did. But now it's like, wow, you know, you, you meet these singers, but they also, they, they write, they produce their own stuff. They shoot their own videos. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, Okay. So tell me now, the transition into, into stand up, like when did that start to really become something that you were like, okay, cause you moved to LA, right? Yeah. Um, I moved in uh, recently, to, uh, pretty to, recently, like November of last year. Okay. Okay. Um, I got into stand up with ironically my old, uh, boy band member who was with me in Germany when we were teenagers. He he was doing stand up for the past five, six years. And he said, Hey man, you, you, you got to do like a routine with me. Let's do like a duo because there's, 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 there's nothing better than getting a laugh. That's even better than getting like a cheer. And I'm like, okay. So I started doing like, like a, like a group duo thing in standup clubs with him that did really well in Florida. And then I was just addicted to the, the high of getting a laugh rather than like a cheer, which I searched for for so many years. Mm. Yeah. There's something very organic about it. I mean, I, I've made the same transition. I mean, I still, um, I still love acting, but I think there's something in stand-up that's just, I think it's like one of the purest art forms we have left because even if you're super famous, um, like I was at the Laugh Factory the night that that, I don't know if you remember when, Michael um, Richardson, is that his name? From Kramer, uh, Kramer from Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. He um, went up and had like this episode in the Laugh Factory. It was really kind of awful. But he, but he was so famous and that buys you like a moment when you get on stage. You know, if you're super famous and you get on stage, you stand up like there's a lot of like, hey, applause. and what. But then very quickly after that, there's like, okay, now let's hear your material and you better be funny and we don't care who you are. And that's why I think it's a really true art form. So I, I love it too. It's very addicting to, uh, (laughs) very addicting to get that laughter. And and it's also instant too, you know, whereas in acting a lot of times, you know, you spend so much time making a film or making a TV show and, you know, who knows if it's going to go and who knows if anybody's going to see it and who knows, you know, what's going to get cut. But with stand-up, you get that instant kind of feeling of like, oh, okay, I think this is funny and you also find it funny. And it's it's a different kind of love. Yeah, as an actor, uh, being an actor seems so powerless. Like you have no control. And, and being a comic is, it's it's similar to, to being an actor, but you get to do everything. You're the writer, the producer, you're the performer, right. the director. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still, you know, uh, pursuing acting, but, you know, acting is such a, I don't know. It's it just, it feels like a, a, a lot of stars have to align to catch that break. And at least with stand up, yeah, you can kind of control, like I'm going to go out every yeah. night and you feel like you're right. controlling some of your destiny, even if it's just all made up in my mind. Yeah, no, I think, and I think that's why a lot of musicians and, and singers and stuff like it is because, you know, when you're in music, like you're taught to jam, you mm-hmm. know, you're taught to like meet up and just play for the hell of it. And in acting, it's weird. Unless you're in class, you're not really doing that, you know, whereas in comedy, you're right. You do, like if you're, 
a musician and you want to like drop in somewhere and play a set or even like get together a bunch of people and just jam in your garage, you can do it. And I think comedy is the same thing. Like you have that control to just be able to go out and do what what you want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you find the writing process, like what would you say, like how do you write your material? Because I feel like everybody has a different way that they approach it. Um, not that I have the right way. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I definitely approach it uh, maybe a little bit too structured sometimes. Like, like I write everything down. I'll, uh, from the song I'm going to do to what I'm going to say in between, like I structure it and I rehearse it. And that's probably goes back to like my boy band days that, that was so like mm-hmm. militant in rehearsal. So uh, mm-hmm. I definitely rehearse, maybe over rehearse sometimes. Um, and just c- circle back. I, I think the reason why I actually started to get into comedy was because like my my dream for years is like i would love to do like a variety show and be like a host and you know your research those big hosts like found and kimmel and they all started out as comics and i'm like well this is something i need to learn so i could see you doing that for sure i mean that kind of leads right into your your t- your igtv that you're doing right now with your what is it called quarantined at home or it, it's called surviving corona so um <laughs> i did it so so I think the charming thing about it is I do it with my mom who never wants to be on camera, but she's my only uh, studio audience. So it's been something to pass the time for us. I know everyone's trying to like get through the day and it's great practice. I wake up in the morning and I, and I read the headlines and I, and I write a monologue based on the headlines in the morning. And then I do it at night and I interview two people and it feels like a, a, a talk show, even if it's just uh, on IGTV, you know? That's great. Do you, you strike me like a very positive person? I mean, is that something you just that comes naturally to you, or is it something that you have to work on? I mean, I feel like most—I don't want to say most of the comics that I know, but we have like this really depressive side, like this real dark side, you know. So it's oh, just like, of course I do. Yeah, like, of course yeah. I do. I mean, I'm a I'm a sensitive entertainer, you know. I uh, yeah. I just have come to the conclusion that you know I'm you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel and be positive. And I do do things there in the day, like meditate and, and as corny as it sounds like say things I'm grateful for, because I have, I've had so many great experiences and so many things that are great in my life. Um, but I'm human. I mean, don't get me wrong. This I've had some bad weeks during the quarantine. So what does that look like? Like when you really go dark, like what, like, what does it look like? Is it, well, you tell me, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Okay. <laughs> Well, like, do you go really dark or do you feel like you just kind of dip a little down and then you're able to pull yourself back? I, well, I mean, for the most part, yeah, I, I dip down. I, I'm, I'm good at, I'm pretty resilient. I grew up, uh, my father was a boxer. So I grew up, you know, ironically like boxing as a kid. So we're always taught to, you know, to tough through things, which I think helps me mentally as an adult. But I think the darkest time I went through was when I lost my record deal in like 2015 and didn't know what I was going to do. And yeah, I was really depressed back then. I, I went to a therapist and, uh, that really changed my life actually going to therapy. How so? Ah, uh, I think it just helped me see things differently. You know, um, at the end of the day, like therapy is just someone a little bit smarter than you talking things out and you're just kind of figuring it out on your own. But, um, I think you realize a lot of things you're upset or depressed about have nothing to do with that at the moment. There's other things that are making you feel that way. And, and for me, I actually started to go to therapy because I thought it was over like a heartbreak of a relationship with a girl. 
But mm. lo- looking into it, it was really just heartbreak over the industry I was yeah. in. You know, it was um, it was years of doors slamming and and mistrust from managers and labels and you know because when you when you're on top, there's a lot of people that are in your corner and seem like your friend, and then when you when you're on the bottom, you'll see how many people really aren't there. And I and I had a, a hard time dealing with that um, that adjustment, realizing like, oh, this was all fake. It was all smoke and mirrors. Um, but it was honestly the best thing that could have happened to me I, as um, Cinderella as that sounds. But yeah, that was the, the Do dark. you think it like sort of taught you like what to do when you get to those places of being dark or did it just give you like a different perspective on life or? I mean, I think uh, for me who, who I think I've had um, a pretty privilege as far as like opportunity. I mean, my, I grew up pretty poor, but as far as like the opportunities that were presented to me at a young age, like things I saw with traveling, with touring, I had some really great moments. And I think, I think I needed some, some adversity to kind of bounce me out and to, to build character as a comic, as an actor. Yeah. Um, bad for yeah. life. Good for comedy. Like yeah. you need something, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Now, obviously, you're a very attractive guy, and I'm sure whether you're doing stand-up or music or whatever, there's, like, all these girls that, you know, your fans and the... How do you sort of navigate that? Like, do you like to be in a relationship, or are you more like... Do you like to be sort of I'm always, committed to your I'm, craft? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all three of them decided to bark at the same time. So um, I'm I'm definitely codependent. I've always been in a relationship. Uh, I'm in a relationship now. I've been with the the same girl. Her name is Rachel for uh, three and a half years now. Do you find that grounds you? Because I find for me that's very grounding. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, you're just muting yourself, so I'll talk and it mutes them. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, yeah, I definitely think it 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 definitely grounds me. and this relationship's probably been my most healthiest because she's not in entertainment at all. So we can compl- nice. we completely yeah. bounce each other out. Um, she's going to be a doctor in two months. She's graduating uh, from San- University of San Diego, and amazing. And we we actually were long distance for almost for the first year and a half because I was. If we're circling back, uh, two years ago, I was in another boy band that was famous in Germany, a show that was called Boy Bands Forever, and she would actually come out on the tour. This was pretty recent. This is 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, how does she feel about the stand-up? Like, is she, does she enjoy your comedy? Yeah, she's super supportive. Um, <clears throat> she loves everything I do. She's she's always like, it's just a matter, it's not a matter of uh, if, it's just a matter of when. So she's a real positive influence in my life, which, uh, you know, as comics, you know, we, you know, we get pretty dark. So um, she's definitely... Right. I mean, I'm very she's positive, positive force. but she's, yeah. she's the sunshine out of us too. Yeah. So with staying with your mom, what's that like right now? Oh my God. I mean, the first week was, was great. Cause it was a, it was a, a novelty and, um, you know, I was on a high, like I said, like us entertainers, we chase affirmation and here I am. I just did this national Burger King commercial and I'm on TV. And, uh, so the first two to three weeks was awesome because everyone's like, you're on TV. And then, and then that, after that wore off the reality of, Oh my God, I'm on my mom's couch. I got to get out of here. Has, uh, <laughs> it's just been very trying, but you know, it's, it's, I don't even know what to go back to LA for right now because Rachel, my girlfriend is in San Diego and she's quarantined because she works in the hospital. So. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
So it's not like you could even see each other if you came back. And, and yeah, it's going to be a minute before there's anything happening here, I think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not that it's been dark times, but, you know, for me personally, I've been kind of reevaluating what I'm going to do next because being a live performer, I don't know, that could be six months to eight months from now or even longer. And so it's, I'm just, I'm trying to uh, pivot and possibly rebrand myself in some sort of way. What, what else would you do? What else are you interested in? Um, well, I mean, I, I've, I've definitely, um, become a do, uh, a do it yourself YouTuber and editor and stuff like that. So I've been mm-hmm. creating content and along with that, I've been taking classes online on just marketing because there's a lot of, um, I think I'm great at creating content. I'm just not good at marketing them on social media. And that's one of my weaknesses and I'm trying to get better at that. Yeah, marketing's a whole other thing than being a creator because I think it's just a different brain. You know, I, I'm the same as you. Like, I love to create content, but then I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. Just getting it out there is a whole other thing. But I'm sure you have a pretty solid fan base at this point from music and. Yeah, but I mean, um, you know, the, to, to, to survive online with a substantial fan base, I mean, you need millions of followers, millions. Right, right. To make a difference. Right. Are you on TikTok? I am. And uh, okay, so this might be because I never cared. I have a million followers on TikTok. There you go. You have a million followers on TikTok. That's huge. But it means nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Millions. I mean, that's a good number, right? Do you I, I find think, it harder to create on TikTok because of the time frame thing? And Yeah, I mean, okay, so I mean, I've, I've definitely probably fallen off as far as um, a top user on TikTok because TikTok is... It's, um, it's a daily social media format where they want you right. to follow the trends. And if you're not following right. the trends, you know, TikTok, I call them the TikTok mafia. They'll just bury your posts. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you got to be on top of what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And that means you got to be on, that means you have to be on it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you're familiar with like the algorithms on Instagram, yeah. um, how, you know, users are seeing 5%. And if, within the first five minutes, those 5% don't react. Then Instagram buries the post. Well, TikTok wow. is, is a little different where they, they have like, no one even knows who it is, but they have like, it's not even an algorithm. They have the people that watch over and, um, basically, um, push the content that they feel aligns with what's trending that they're pushing for the trends. So if you don't follow mm. the trends, you're not going to get pushed as in the, um, it, it's called the for you page, which would be like the explore page on Instagram. Right. Right. Cause if you don't put, if you don't put that FYP thing on there, you're, you're definitely not getting seen, right? Absolutely <laughs> not getting seen. Absolutely not. What's the most views you've had on a post? Oh, I think like 150,000 or something like that. And what was it? What did you post? I think so. Do you remember? I think it was me. I had bleach blonde hair. So I looked like Eminem and I, I did like it. I lip synced to Eminem. And it was so mindless and uncreative. And it was like, oh, that works. That's so (laughs) too easy. Yeah, it's too easy. Yeah. What's your, is, do you like Instagram better than TikTok? Like what's your. I mean, I, I want to be Instagram famous so bad, but it just never happened. Like I I push most of my contact on Instagram, um, like on my comedy skits and IGTV, but Instagram is, is a confusing, uh, it's a confusing app. Um, and of course, YouTube, I'd like to, um, get my YouTube subscribers up, but yeah. 
Well, I think everything that I've seen on your on your Instagram has been, I mean, it's very entertaining. I mean, well, it's definitely just, yeah, I think for sure. Like, um, and even this TV show thing that you're doing now, do you take what, you, what you're doing with your mom, the Corona, what is it called? Surviving Corona? It's called Surviving are you Corona. Putting, are you putting that on, um, on YouTube? No. So I do it. Um, I just don't think the quality is good enough for YouTube. I, I, every night at, at 9 PM Eastern, my time. So not at six o'clock your time on the West coast. I, I go IG live and I, I make it a live and then I save the live to my IGTV and it's like 22, okay. 22 minute episodes. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so tell everybody where they can see you and find you on Instagram. What's your, what's your hand? We'll put everything in the, I, in the I, post as I well a, when we put it up. I'm at, at J Rand official. I've gone through so many stage names right now. I'm actually supposed to be J Randall Medina. I, it's just the, 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 the agencies in LA thought that leading with my Latin side would, would it, be more it helpful. It would be a good idea. Yeah. As a, <laughs> as an ex-manager, I will say right now that is kind of, yeah, yeah I kind of agree with that. And I yeah. like Medina because yeah. there's a lot of, yeah. That's my yeah, mother. That's okay. my mother's maiden name. My name is Josh Randall, but they've been leading with Jay Randall Medina. And that's what I say on the, the show. I'm like, welcome to Surviving Corona. I'm your host, Jay Randall Medina. Um, yeah. I don't know what the quite where I'm going now with it. Okay, so that's that's your handle on Instagram and yeah. same on TikTok? Same on TikTok, yeah. Okay. Have you done any of these um stand-up comedy shows that they're doing, you know? I did a I, I did a virtual mic. I did it um last weekend and uh it was it was very bizarre cuz you don't really get it in it, like the the sound of hearing we had like a live audience, quote unquote, okay. and um Okay. It was a uh, it made me not want to do stand up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I mean, I have a lot of friends that do stand up and I watch them online. They're like, like, you want to do this show? I'm like, no, absolutely do not. I mean, no, there's no part of me that wants to be on my computer. I mean, first of all, what's so weird is like, do you, you're not standing up, right? You're not actually like, you're like sitting, right? Just telling jokes to the screen. It was, it was it was so bizarre. And I left there like, uh, 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 I don't think I want to do that again. <laughs> oh God. I can't, I can't even bring myself to do it. I mean, it just sounds What's the terrible. worst show you've ever done? Like the worst time you've ever bombed? Cause everyone has a story where they've bombed. Yeah. I mean, I think the worst. So the, when I first started doing standup, I was doing it at a place called the sportsman's lodge on, I think it's still there. I'm not even sure it's on Ventura Boulevard and the show is outdoors and it was Jimmy and Joey, um, and they, they're like these two Italian guys, and they had this show, and I would come, and there was like a lot of like, not famous, but like well-known comics that would drop in, so no matter how early you got there, you just kept getting bumped to like the end, so I would I would bring all my girlfriends. I was working as a leasing consultant at this complex and I would bring all my girlfriends to come and poor things sit at the sportsman's lodge where there was like no outdoor bar service. So they would have to go inside, get a drink, then like drag it outside. And they would just, they were getting drunker and drunker and they kept coming out going, are you on yet? <laughs> Fuck, I got to go to work tomorrow. Like, and I'm like, just please wait, please wait. And then... When there was like nobody left but like my four friends, I would get up and do my set and and there was a bus that would go by on Ventura uh. Boulevard. So it was like literally you would tell the setup and then you like had to wait for the bus to go by 
and then and then do your punchline. It was it was like awful. <sighs> but but you know, I feel like if you can do that, you can do anything. And oh. then I, this wasn't a bad show, but I will say the first time I ever did the Laugh Factory, my friend Adam Hunter had a midnight show and I used to manage Adam. So he was like, can you give me my first big break? And he's like, yeah, you can come down to the Laugh Factory show at midnight. I'll let you go up and open the show and you'll get, get like three minutes. Now, three minutes was all I had, mind you. And so I get there. It's a Saturday night. Um, and it's the 10 o'clock show is ending. Dane Cook is doing the 10 o'clock show. He's like headlining the 10 o'clock show. So he's like killing it. I mean, there's so many people there to see him. And Jamie, the owner comes up and he says, listen, we're not going to, usually what they would do is they would end the 10 o'clock show. They would clear out the showroom and then they would start the midnight show, which would be like maybe 20 people in the audience. They're like, we're just going to hold the 10 o'clock show. So... So it's just going to be one long show. And so Adam's like, okay, that means you're next. I'm like, next when? He's like, right after Dane. I'm oh, like, <laughs> no. I'm like, after Dane Cook? Like, and he he's like, yeah. He crushes it. He crushes He's crushing it. It's his crowd, you know? So I'm just like sitting backstage and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to say? Because you got to come out with a great opening joke, right? So. So I just get on stage. I'm totally nervous. And I go, hey, everybody, give it up for my opener, Dane Cook, you know, <laughs> and at least that got me a laugh. And then it was like kind of downhill from there. But yeah, it was terrifying, terrifying. That's that's an amazing story that you at uh, Dane Cook opened for you. That, that yeah. that's, that's actually really great material for a joke. He's Oh my God. He's so good, dude. He was like, Oh my God. That was like the heyday of the laugh factory when he would, he would pretty much do every 10 o'clock show on Friday and Saturday. And just, yeah, it was like, Oh my, I would say beyond standing room only. Like it was just so packed in there. You couldn't like, was nuts. Totally nuts. Um, what about you? What's your worst show to date? I mean, <laughs> besides the, besides the fucking computer show you did. <laughs> oh God. I mean, uh, I have a couple. So, so I've had a couple of bad experiences in LA where I went to like the ice house and I put my name, I, I was the first, cause you know, I bring my keyboard. So I'm always mindful that I have to get there before it even starts and set up and plug in all this stuff. And I put it to the side. So I got there, like I went to like an ice house open mic and I got there an hour before it started. And then once it starts, it's a three hour mic where they pick your name out of the hat and my name oh. is, I didn't even get picked out. I was like, argue, I was like arguing with a host. Like, come on, man. You saw me. You saw me an hour before I was here. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of my worst, I guess, comedy experiences was five hours at Ice House that I didn't get on. Oh my gosh. And then I had to care that I had to unplug my keyboard <laughs> and carry it out. Keyboard out. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah, that's why my dad said like, just, just always be the singer. Cause you don't have to bring anything. Cause I would always see the drummer at the end of the night, having a breakdown his kit. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And no, I don't want to, I don't want to so do funny. that. I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. It kind of sucks. Cause I feel like you were gaining momentum. You, you were, you were starting to gain some momentum here in LA doing stand up, And then it's just like, this shit happens, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, I feel yeah, even with castings too. Like I was starting to they were getting to know me and I was getting some good callbacks and I was like, oh no, now it's gonna start again in 2021. 
Well, the good news is that for you, even if you stay in Florida, um, a lot of stuff's going to be self-taped now, I think. You know? yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff has been self-taped, but I think that's definitely going to be definitely going to be the vibe. And I feel like as artists, like we just reinvent ourselves. Something good always comes out of it. Like I've started my consulting business, which has been really going well. So there's been like, there's been like new stuff that comes out of it. You know, you're finding your way on doing your show with your mom. Who knows what that'll turn into, you know? Yeah. I tag Jimmy Fallon every night. I'm just waiting for him to call me. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I could see you doing that for sure. I could see you definitely doing a, a late night show. And yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy for them too. You know, like they can't do their job either. No one could do their job. I um, know. Crazy yeah. times. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was so good to have you on. And um, and we will t- we will put all your information in so people so you can have like a million and twenty followers on TikTok. And thank <laughs> me for that well, later. I would love to have you on my show this week if you're available. For sure. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs> We're all available. That's the new thing. It's like everyone's How about Thursday available. night? How about Thursday Sounds, night? What are you doing Thursday night? Probably nothing. <laughs> all right. So Thursday night. Yeah. You'll, it's six o'clock your time. Perfect. All right. All right you're, cool. You're booked. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We're going places, Josh. I feel it. I feel, I feel it, it too. It. I feel it. I feel it. J. Ram Medina. I like it. Let's go. Um, all right, honey. Good to see you. You too. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Andrea Town. I hope you guys are all staying safe. If I sound muffled, it's because I'm wearing my mask. Stay safe, be well, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Cause I probably was just out with my friends I-